Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. check this podcast and today since i am not a lawyer i asked a couple lawyers on to uh, review the most recent supreme court nominee katanji brown jackson and we are going to talk about some of her qualifications and and then i'd also kind of like to look at some of the other supreme court nominees who have come about over the last several years uh there's for whatever reason, I don't know. Do any of y'all remember being younger? No. All of the... <laughs> that's because you're too old, Tyler. Right. <laughs> being younger and like this much hype being put around Supreme Court nominees the way it has over the last five years or so, like it it just seems insane. Um, Before so I, I, or I can't remember anybody else getting like so. on. I'm old enough to remember Robert Bork in 87. Uh, Clarence Thomas was a big you? deal. Uh, 50. <laughs> oh, my God. You look like a baby. Oh, uh, that's uh, kind of you. And uh, we can talk about that later. Uh, yeah, so I do remember some of those things. And I think Bork specifically, where he came out and talked about originalism and there was all these other. That's why you see so many judges or you know potential SCOTUS uh, uh, confirmed judges um, acting the way they do about not wanting to answer questions and really no one until Gorsuch recently talking about uh, his kind of philosophy of, you know, originalism in a sense. So what I can what I really kind of wanted to look at with, with Katanji Brown Jackson is her. So it hasn't gotten talked about at all with, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, or especially not with Kavanaugh, and not really so much with Gorsuch either. They didn't attack them for their actual judgments. They didn't attack them for their records. They went after them for incredibly personal, non-related BS. And so, what you've actually seen in some of these, uh, in some of these 
questionings and stuff with Ketanji Brown Jackson is you've seen the Republicans who are grilling her actually going after her record and her and the way that she has ruled on specific things. So what's the what is y'all's take on some of her rulings? What's y'all's take on kind of her record as it stands and and then also just kind of looking at the way the right attacks a candidate versus the way the left has attacked a candidate in over the last five years or so. I'll let Meredith go. Oh, okay. I'll go. This happens in court all the time, by the way, this little like, do you want to go? I'll go. Um, So I actually, I am disappointed that it has not gone on in the, for the past few nominees um, as much. I think Brett Kavanaugh, for example, had a very terrible record on the Fourth Amendment, and we barely got into that. I did they touch on it? I don't think so. Um, I kind of like stayed off of media and social media that whole week that that was going on because it was driving me crazy for several reasons. Um, but yeah, I think that there was a lot of reasons to dislike Kavanaugh as a judge that had nothing to do with the allegations against him. Uh, Katanji Brown, I think. Um, from what I've read on her, and I would will admit to not being as necessarily learned about her as I would like to be to speak on this incredibly intelligently. But um, I think that the biggest thing that people like to ask about or raise with her is the uh, child porn sentencing recommendations. I do think that's interesting. Um, I also think well, there's things I like about her too um, that sort of go in line with that. And I want to make sure no one thinks I'm a pedophile apologist. Yes. Anybody who hurts a child should die a horrible death. Uh, I do think um, her background as a public defender, I think, is incredibly um, important. And I think her history on the sentencing commission, um, I believe, I I can't remember the official name for it, um, is helpful. Because as liberty people, I think that we all can come together on the idea that a lot of sentencing, especially mandatory minimums, or ridiculous. Child porn thing, not great, although I can see what she was saying in the sense of possession of images and the the, guide, the sense and guidelines for child porn cases are extreme and there's a reason it's a deterrent. Um, and it's by, it's the accounts go by the actual amount of files you have. I can see why she would be, you know, somewhat think that that's somewhat extreme for someone who's merely possessing the items. Again, you could argue that, um, it, again, it's a deterrent and taking away the market for such things is a way to deter the crime from happening. I don't know that that's a great argument. I think child porn will always exist. And I would love to see people actually going after the peddlers and traffickers more. But if they did that, they'd be going after themselves. So, you know, that's what that is. And uh, I don't know. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, actually, um, you nailed a few of the things. One, Kavanaugh, um, you know, if he had been uh, shot into space and not uh, confirmed, I would have been fine with it for the reasons you're exactly stating. And then we've seen some of those rulings that he's been really poor on. And I tend to judge recent uh, judges now by Gorsuch. He's actually been one of my favorites. Um, So you're completely right. But I did not like the way the confirmation hearing went with Kavanaugh. So, um, and uh, what you said about the sentencing stuff, I don't know. I, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about what Justin asked of how the, the GOP as an, a 
is taking this. Uh, watching some of the questions, they're grandstanding a little bit about, how, they keep mentioning how they are not doing the Kavanaugh thing. And I'm like, you know, just get over it. Just do what you're going to do. Stop telling everybody how great you are. You know, you're so proud of your humility in a sense. And it's just, just kind of weird. Um, with that said, uh, they're going after the sentencing and some of her, her actual takes on the law is a much better um, idea. And, and I appreciate that. Uh, but it, in the end, it doesn't matter. They put up a black female. I mean, we can talk about that part, too. Um which is almost going to inoculate anything that the, the right can do. They can't go after much of this. Um, they can't do like they did with Clarence Thomas and talk about, you know, a, a pubic hair and a Coke can, uh, things like this, because yes, I don't know if you remember that. That's uh, that was the whole deal. I, do. I remember I heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, they can't, the, the right can't do that. They're just always backpedaling. And so for a woman, a black woman, you can't do that. And, but what's really interesting is talk about the diversity here. She went to Harvard. Uh, I think the majority of the the judges are all from Harvard. I think there's three that are from Yale. There's really no diversity. I mean, you can say she's black, this one's whatever, but they're all really similar as far as their elitist abilities of everything. You don't have a common you know person. Now you said she she was a public defender. I'm not a big fan of of any of that, but um, I think that does taint and and to see the right trying to push some of this. I'm not a fan of some of their, uh, the sentencing things, like you said, I'm not a, a pedophile fan either. Um, but they're really pushing the, uh, criminal justice and how she's, she's soft on crime. I don't really have a problem with that. I will say like about the whole, um, I totally forgot Justin's question when I was talking. So I just was like rambling about the whole like way that the Republicans are going after it. I do think on one hand, yeah, they're grandstanding with the, like, we're not going to do the Kavanaugh thing. And then you're doing like a, a pussy version of the Kavanaugh thing by going right. after culture war issues. However, I do say to people who say that that's all in bad faith and um, they're trying to be gotcha questions. I actually think some of those questions are important, particularly yeah. for me as a woman. And I'm not saying I'm a transgender woman. I'm saying as a woman, I hate when people like use that qualifier. As a woman, um, it it does bother me that she would not answer that question straightforward. I understand why she wouldn't, but it bothers me because I what, see why would um, why, several, do you, why do you, what, would, what do you think the reason is she didn't answer it then? Yeah, because what, I, what, I think what's she the wanted justification to, well, for that. Because I would say that recently, um, and this is why I think it was an important question in general. Because recently, what's been happening is when you put gender identity as a protected class with sex, those are starting to come to a head, basically saying that you can't discriminate against someone for their gender identity allows you to not protect people by their sex if it's you know generally women. Um, it allows you to put males, biological males into prisons with women, females, um, and not be protected them by their sex, which is also a protected class. And it's a clash. And I think if I'm going to be the most charitable to her as possible, I think maybe she was trying to make it so that she wouldn't be, you know, recused from having to participate in such cases in the future. If she said adult human female, which is the answer I would have given, um, you know, because there's a bunch of people out there, science, uh, doctors, professionals of all sorts who will say, a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman. Sex is a spectrum. You know, it's all tautological. This whole woman is anyone who identifies as such. I can understand maybe why she wouldn't get into that. 
I would maybe say if I was her adult human female, plus there are transgender women and we can get into whether we need that qualifier transgender before woman or not, but there are them and they, they identify as women. So I will say that that could be under the definition, but that's all I'm going to say. That's probably what I would have done. Although uh, if I had, you know, really big balls, I would have just said adult human female. Cause that is. And then you wouldn't have said you're a woman. That's right. You would be a trans woman if you had really big balls. So I, I, I am an adult human female, everybody. I know I have strong features, but I am not a transgender woman, although they're great. Well, I've never suspected that. I don't (laughs) I've I've been accused of it so many times. Wow. I I, I don't know. Right. right. I I think she did it simply so she could not be, um, not canceled, but uh, come after on it because uh, one, she's got to know that there's a a definition of woman, which actually says like adult female. And then you go to the definition of female and it's, you know, reproductive organs, da, 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 da. So, and she could, she has to do this on the bench. She's got to make decisions for title nine for uh, discrimination cases. So this is, to me, it was very, and it was, like you said, it was a great question. It was very important because it came to me now, the realization that of, of how I think lame she is. And I'm, totally fine, especially after seeing Sotomayor with the, the vaccine, uh, you know, mandate stuff, just shit her pants on the, on the court. And when during those hearings, I don't care calling these people what they are. Um, this lady is qualified, perfectly fine. If you can't say what uh, a definition, take judicial notice of a definition that everyone knows and that's out there, what are you going to do when you're on the court? And um, her ability to uh, not say this, I guess, and the ability, but her, her, her refusal to uh, also says a little bit about what you're going to probably get from her on the court, I think. And you have to remember, too, that she's going to be that she's going to have clerks who are writing a good portion of her opinions. Right, right, right. And the clerks are going to be younger and more activisty. So, uh, I, it, you know, it would be um, it, it lets me believe that she may be uh, vulnerable to stuff like that in her opinions and letting, you know, some of this stuff take a hold. And I do know because of um some of the nature of my work, I think Tyler does the same thing as I do. Um, I've had minimal, but some uh, cases involving the, the issue of transgender children, particularly in California. However, there's an ongoing lawsuit that's been recently been filed um, by the organization Women's Liberation Front. They go by Wolf, uh, W-O-L-F, um, specifically about the uh, transgender women, biological males in women's prisons. I could definitely see this going up the federal all the way up to the Supreme Court at some point. And I think it's a very important issue um, on the sex scale of things, not gender identity. That uh, it's, you know, the fact that these two things are going to come together and the people will think that gender identity rules out is very aggravating, considering one is a material reality and one is um, not. And, you know, we should have compassion for these people, obviously. But when you're putting the most vulnerable women in society, women in prisons, there's myriad of studies on this. They're usually abused, addicts, usually not in for violent crimes. uh, And you're putting them with biological males. I believe the study recently of the federal transgender inmate population said that 50% were um, in for sex crimes of some nature. I don't love that. And I think that's a reasonable take. And I would love to have a woman, especially a black woman, because you know what? Black women, I'm going to say something stereotypical. I've been oh, in front shit. of a lot of black women judges. They don't take no shit. And I like that about yeah. them. And I would love to see her take no shit. There's one uh, there was one that used to be on uh, the Ninth Circuit out here who was great. I met her when I was in law school. And I was like, oh. And she wore like 
a pink suit under her robes. And I was like, yeah, That's you're horrible. cool. I, sh- I've never done such a thing, but I wish I would. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a little uh, disappointed, especially because she actually does have some protections on her side. The left, left wokey types, um, aren't going to go after a black woman that's hard um, on the trans issue because they're going to, you know, go, well, the intersections of race and, you know, you have to think about what the black community, blah, blah, blah. She could have had a little bit more protection than say, um, well, Amy Coney Barrett's not lefty. So people expect her to say that shit. But like, you know, if Amy Coney Barrett was a lefty, well, with a lefty, they should probably get attacked more. So, let me just say something really controversial here, which is the only thing that noticing her um, and, and listening to her talk and, and talk about her history and her and her um, education and rulings and all this stuff. The only thing that she seems to represent the black community with is her first name. That's, that's it. See, I had looked at her record and no lie. and some uh, when what was it? It was between her and. Who was the other uh, potential? I can't remember her name now. Anyway, the other potential candidate was more controversial. Um, so, and she was a little bit more vanilla as far as a leftist judge goes uh, between the two. And so, like, when I was looking at it, I was like, okay, this is this is the black female version of Stephen Breyer. Like, we're, it's not like they're doing anything particularly huge to uh to change the court and and even if even if she was like psychotically radically woke leftist it's still five four and six three if you count if you count roberts i i don't i don't count roberts as a conservative judge he right. he is exclusively a conservative judge on the rulings that don't actually fucking matter so um she clerk for Breyer, i think she yes him. yeah yeah so like I actually I, love though what oh I'm so sorry to interrupt. No no I was I was just saying when, I was whenever I say, looked at her record I just thought okay this is like black female briar I don't I don't see that this changes things particularly but then they've started this hearing and some of her answers have really made me think God why why like just just give a straight answer and don't be an idiot I, I don't understand uh, and it ha- it's not like they've and in my opinion uh, you are both of more the legal minds and uh, know that that world better. But just from like a, a layman's standpoint, like it doesn't feel like they've asked her exceptionally hard questions. I, I haven't thought that anything about the, the, these hearings or whatever you want to call them has been really uh, very aggressive or uh, anything of that nature. Uh, what, how, how, how have y'all felt about what you've seen of it so far? Well, I'll, I'll say so. They've asked her a, well, so Ted Cruz went through a few things and he was trying to do a little, some gotcha stuff. And I get it, you know, talking, not being able to define a woman as an example, and then um, kind of stumbling over yourself and about CRT that's taught in her children's school. And then they're saying, oh, I thought you were talking about public schools. You know, it's just kind of disingenuous. I feel a little bit on her part. Uh, but, you know, they did get to some things about how, um, you know, she said she's a little bit more of an originalist type. She went through her mythology there, um, methodology. She did then talk about um, kind of settled versus precedent, which I I'm a, have a big problem with. She did talk about like her abortion that it's, you know, uh, Roe v. Wade, it's settled law. You know, we don't, we don't touch that anymore yet. Other things are, and I'm not a real big fan of, you know, you saying you can't necessarily overturn something. Um, 
but yeah, for the most part, and once again, this goes back to the Bork where they're, they don't want to talk about a case that they might, that might come up a controversy or an issue. Uh, they don't then, so they don't wade into something. Um, Mike Lee asked her about her feelings of court packing because he's like, this is never going to come before the Supreme court. And what's your opinion there? And, um, and I don't know if it's just the the way that they're, you know, kind of the political sense of before and a confirmation, just not wanting to talk about these things. Uh, she just refused to answer it or like, you know, I don't know this, 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 I don't really have an opinion type of thing. Well, that's kind of bull crap. And so I'm disappointed that it's, uh, she didn't weigh in that and they've tried a few of those things, but, um, you can't really say, Hey, this case, this case, this case, you know, how would be a ruling other than her sentencing? And I think she actually did fine on those things. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say earlier, I love what Tyler said about, um, the lack of diversity. They are all, it's like, you know, Ivy league to a federal district judge to a Supreme court clerk. I mean, it's, there's no diversity of record with these people as far as I recall off the top of my head. I, I could be wrong about that. Um, and I personally have worked with lawyers from the Ivy League. I'm not impressed. Um, right. Never have been. Uh, I went to school back in Philadelphia when I lived there with kids who were all Ivy League legacies. None of them were smart. <laughs> they were all getting in on sports scholarships and their names. I'm not saying that smart people don't go there and that they're not great schools, especially like the law school. I'm just saying, you know, I would like, I love to see, you know, some more uh, diversity of background overall in the, um, in the picks. I actually um, am interested, Tyler, in the past confirmations that you've seen, because again, I have barely seen any, um, or do they usually ask about specific cases that they've tried in the past? Yeah. So, and, 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 um, they, they did bring up a few of those yesterday and she's like, I, I don't know. And then, you know, you can submit your answer to them at a later date. Uh, she did mention that she's not real adept at uh, con law, constitutional law, which is, okay. Isn't that kind of the point of being on yeah. the, the Supreme Court? Like that's that should be the entirety of your Supreme Court qualifications is how good are you yeah. with the constitution? Because isn't but like you that, do, you do that have time the to... primary job of the Supreme Court is to rule on constitutionality of state laws that are being passed and then appealed and bumped up to them. like. Well, Meredith could probably speak in this too. I mean, like we get, I do family law and I think uh, Meredith is doing that mostly as well. You end up getting so in that field. So if she did a uh, public defender, as an example, she's not really doing, I mean, if there's constitutional law in there, but you're not going over that. So all these rulings that go up to the Supreme court, you know, I could have one from an issue that I have in my family law and um, yes, there's basis in the constitution, but there's statutory statutes and all these, you know, cause, uh, your, your state Supreme Court. Anyway, there's there's all these other things. So the Supreme Court will handle everything they can. Um, so I get it. Um, but I mean, Meredith. Yeah. What's yeah. Um, it's, I, I'm just surprised that she would give that answer. Right. Um, but yeah, I do agree with Tyler. I mean, like, uh, it's been a very long time since I it's con, con law was one of my favorite classes mm -hmm. um, in life. I can't remember anything. <laughs> off the right. top of my head you know i can't uh i remember miranda that's so hard to remember you know what i'm saying like uh but um you know you do in law part of, and the biggest part about practicing law and law school in general but more so practicing law is learning a way of thinking and reviewing things and interpreting them so there are times where in my area of work where something comes into me and there is a crossover with a civil issue 
I've never practiced civil litigation in my life. However, from my experience, knowing how to read statutes and do this, that, the other thing, and use LexisNexis to research cases, I've been able to figure it out and do very well in those cases. So I want to be like, I want to be tripped out by her not saying she's like not super familiar with con law. I'm just surprised she would admit to that and not have like boned up on it before the hearing, I guess. I, maybe I should reiterate. I read that she, because she just had a confirmation hearing, I think like last year or, or you know, recently for, um, it was the, um, anyway, for one of the, I think the appellate court or something. And she had claimed then that she had uh, oh. little experience with it. So it doesn't mean that she doesn't really oh. know it. She's just hasn't had much experience. But uh, in the same regard, I don't think uh, any of those other judges on there have ever been a public defender. So, you know. That's probably the thing I like about her the most is that she's a public defender. I'm sick of having prosecutors and, right. you know, corporate lawyers on the bench. They're still so paid by the state. Of, sure. sure. Yeah. So I guess kind of my, my, my beef with the, uh, the lack of constitutional law uh, experiences, like all of my experience in the court is from the other side of it. Uh, not, not from being a lawyer, but from having to go to court because of, uh, random bullshit and i guess to some extent the the lawyering side of it because i've represented myself in all of the family court stuff and uh also with all of my various run-ins with the law over the last several years and um uh, indiana state constitution is is and has been my saving grace on a lot of that stuff because um so i took kind of a similar route to libertarianism that eric of uh Rebel with a cost has kind of taken like you go from being a you know GOP Republican to the Constitution Party to libertarianism, and so when I was kind of a Constitution Party guy, I spent a lot of time studying both the U.S. Constitution and the Indiana State Constitution. I was planning to run for a local office at the time, and I felt like if you're going to run as a Constitution Party guy, you should probably be a intimately familiar with your own constitution. So, so I put a lot of time into that and that served me well because there are a lot of things in the, in the state and federal constitutions that uh, do offer certain protections and allowances when you are defending yourself um, either against, like for me, it was going through multiple appeals processes, trying to get, um, child support and other stuff with my original divorce overturned and modified and yada, 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 which is still not entirely a great situation, but it's a lot better than it was four years ago. Uh, and just because I understood the way the Indiana state constitution works and was able to utilize certain aspects of that to make sure that um, I was getting the proper allowances that were kind of being ignored previously. Um, and then also in dealing with, uh, I've had some run-ins with uh, speeding tickets and license suspension and then license still being suspended and the license still being suspended and all kinds of, I, I went for three years without a valid driver's license because the state kept jerking me around and not telling me all the things that I was supposed to do to get my license fixed and validated. Somehow that didn't prevent me from being able to drive. Apparently a driver's license doesn't actually determine whether or not you're a good driver. Uh, but anyway. They gave me a license. I'm a terrible driver. 
Well, you're a woman, so that makes sense. I know, and I passed on the first try. It was easy. <laughs> I actually think I'm a great driver, but but so I'm a woman. <laughs> for a woman, yeah. But so I've had a lot of experience with going through the court system and and being intimately familiar with the Constitution has been extremely helpful for me. So to to hear something like that from a judge, it kind of uh, kind of comes across a bit disheartening. But like like y'all said, like there's for for what she does, there's probably a lot more to it uh, than like my my very specific instances. I could utilize that knowledge to to my benefit. And, and well, like Meredith said too, though, you're going to be up there. You're going to have, you're going to have your clerks, you know, the brilliant minds behind you that are, uh, you know, not just some, uh, no name well, they're no name, but uh, some loser, um, law student, but these are smart people and they're going to be doing all the research for you. They're going to spoon feed a lot of things for you. And so she'll be, she'll be fine. Um, it doesn't matter if you're are really vested in con law, you can still make ridiculous decisions. Uh, which we see all the time. I didn't know. Did you want free advice? Is that what you're really asking for, Justin? I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I'm sitting here hearing about child support. I'm getting triggered. Right. No, I, uh, I have, I, I pretty thoroughly took care of that. Um, good, I got, good stuff. I had somebody that gave me a little bit of advice and he was like, it's always surprising. You, he I said, agree. you're a smart dude. This is what I'm going to tell you. You do with it what you want. And uh, I came away with basically everything I wanted and my ex left the courtroom crying. So it was, that was pretty fun and entertaining for me. Nice. Uh, it's always surprising when I read like uh family law cases from other jurisdictions, either like, you know, just shitting around or like, because I've gotten a client from out of state and just seeing the way the family law system is run in other States is like, it's wild. It's wild. Well, did you remember that case uh, probably a year ago now that I think it was Indiana, the judge that uh, took the kids, mo- uh, the, the mom's, kids away because she wasn't vaccinated it was uh, uh, illinois. illinois okay yeah uh, that wasn't indiana no sorry uh, it started with say that indiana is a red enough state it, if a judge had tried to do that the entire leg- state legislature right. would have been would have had well, them I, removed from you. it was I, overturned I, I, but at the time I'm, I'm just like holy shit i'm really concerned and i've had i've had questions about vaccines come up from several clients um i've yet to take one to court um, yeah. and I, I'm happy that now, um, it seems like, uh, the mask has dropped on the vaccines enough. Um, but, uh, it was looking for, I was really concerned about that. Um, taking those cases to court because the bias for vaccines in general, especially in California is strong. And this vaccine it triggered something in the libs that I've never seen before. And I was very, very concerned about that. Um, but I actually think it's going to be okay for now. But yeah, I, Tyler, you're so right. That was a that was a crazy case. Luckily, it was overturned. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, like, ugh. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more cases like that with some parenting decisions. Uh, especially again, I hate to bring it up because it sucks all the air out of the room. But the transgender issue is, it's really causing a problem for a lot of families, and I we're going to see a lot of those cases. I hate to disturb your uh, your white pill there, but I just was heard on the radio this morning. Uh, the California legislature is trying to pass a bunch of laws, um, even though COVID's like what, who uh, about yeah. um, va- mandating all every every employee be vaccinated, you know, zero to death. So um, you know, while this has always my been my fear, I, I felt like the 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 federal government didn't have the police power 
even though Sotomayor said they did, to enact these kind of things through, you know, like what Biden was trying to do, the states do. So, you know, it could come to a state near you. My, my wife this morning, she hears this on the radio and she's like, we got to move. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So no, sorry to hear, tell you that. But. No, no, you're right. There, there is, I, there is a bill that I actually was looking at when I was advising a client a few um, weeks ago that said they're actually making, so they have already made the standard vaccinations, the MMR, et cetera, um, uh, required for even private schools. And they're making the new proposed bill that I think would take effect as of January 1, 23, would be that private school, every school vaccine requirement, you don't get to say no, or you lose your accreditation or whatever. Right. Uh, I haven't fully looked into it because from what I recall, there was a bunch of crazy stuff stuff in there where I was like, oh, this isn't even going to get passed in crazy ass California. But right. um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. So Tyler had mentioned uh, Roe v. Wade. Do you think that that will ever come to the Supreme Court? I know there's this this Mississippi uh, abortion ban after 15 weeks, I think it was. And then there's the Texas after six weeks if i'm and i might have those flipped but anyway there's the texas and the the mississippi uh abortion bills that are that both got passed and they they are both coming to the supreme court for appeals sometime in the next few months is the supreme court going to actually take up roe v wade with the potential for overturning it like so for my personal opinion i don't think that i've never thought that they would i think they will always punt that punt that back to the states uh i just don't think that there is a political will to piss people off that much from the supreme court like uh, but it's a different supreme court right now potentially um do you think there's a potential that they will take that case up at, at at any point in say the next you know four to five years I, well, you want, I mean, you want to take it? Know, I, I have an answer. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you have the probably the more succinct answer, so you go. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, I say no, and because they are a political animal, you've seen certain cases they just refuse to take unless the court was like a seven-two. Um, I just don't see that happening. There's there's some cases they do not want a split decision on. That's going to be one, even though uh, the reality is it's like that. Don't say gay ban, you know, law thing in in um, in Florida, which is people just miss it, it's all just wrong uh roe v wade being um repealed would not be devastating it'd just be up to the states and you know uh, you live in a state california you think there's going to be any problems there no so that's my opinion it's not going to happen yeah i uh my opinion was sort of the same conclusion but not for the same reason it's just that i i don't think the way that they have to look at things like standing and you know, uh, the actual issue that's kind of before the court, it, it doesn't seem like any case has gotten yet to the point where it's appropriate to bring in front of the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court wouldn't say this isn't for us to look at um, based on who's bringing it and what the issues are. Yeah, good point. The babies, are, it's hard for them to have standing when they're dead. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> no, but like for real. Although, um, I mean, there is stuff in that Texas bill was it, was it actually taken out was um the stuff about letting you know like a random citizen dime you out and they can get ten thousand dollars from you was that actually taken out 
I do. I did not follow that one enough, so I just I'll recuse myself. Yeah, you talking about the bounty, first... the bounty hunter, <laughs> the bounty hunter aspect of the Texas one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I that's a. I mean, look. However you feel about abortion is what it is. That's a crazy. That's a crazy thing to allow. I um, I looked at that. So around the time that that was happening, there was also the the Mississippi abortion bill that was going through. And and I was looking a lot more closely at the Mississippi bill uh, just because because it was being played up as incredibly racist as well as being a threat to Roe v. Wade. So so I was looking at that one more specifically. And then I happened to see the stuff that was coming up about the uh, I actually did. I think I did one or two episodes where I just dedicated it to going through the Mississippi abortion bill and kind of looking at it. Um, that's probably the one that's six weeks. Then. The, I think so. I think the Mississippi one is 14 weeks and the oh. Texas one or 15 weeks and Texas was the six weeks, but anyway, uh, or 10 weeks or mm-hmm. so anyway, regardless the, uh, I'm just trying to figure out the racial angle. I can see if you said for six weeks, like a lot of people don't know they're pregnant by six because, weeks and especially more poor people, um, fat people might not know they're pregnant by six weeks uh so the reason that the mississippi abortion bill is racist is because black women in mississippi are more likely to have children without baby daddies providing any support and so by not being allowed to abort these babies that is putting them in a difficult position like that's why it's racist it it is the most i'm Okay, like I get it statistically. I get the statistics on that. It's the most ridiculous fucking argument you could possibly make. Like, right. quit, quit fucking around like that. Like, I don't. What? There's easier solutions than to just allow you to murder babies at will. Like, that's. Um, I don't know. Maybe the state of Mississippi should stop supplementing that because, like, that's. Uh, I lived down there for several years. Like, that that that's a that's a pretty big cash cow in and of itself is uh churning babies out at the right intervals so that you maintain all of your uh all of your benefits and yeah like you call them breeders in our line of work it's a fucking (laughs) game that they play very well like maybe quit you know incentivizing that and then you don't have that as much i like the uh the studs or the bulls like in in those communities like if if you if you look into that like that's fucking insane but we won't we won't go down that uh rabbit hole <laughs> i just want to say like, that i'm not calling black women who do that breeders everyone that i've encountered in my line of work has been a, a trashy white chick i'm just saying that yeah. in in family law we say like oh she gets her money like when you have a woman who's had with a billion baby daddy, she's like, oh, this is how she gets her money. <laughs> but I think I think that the the statistics that Justin's referencing there is that then the the black moms just don't take them to term, right? They're they're aborting them. And actually, if you without being too joking on this, if you look at the statistics in New York, it's it's quite, quite disturbing for African Americans. Um, what's interesting, kind of to to bring this in full circle, is um, so she was uh, Miss Brown was being selected due to her race and her gender. Um, it feels like you're going up to, I, maybe Meredith, you, I'm just a white guy, maybe as a woman, define that as her. Um, how would you feel 
going, you know, being selected because of <laughs> those attributes, she seems to be taking that like it's it's perfectly fine with her. But it almost is weird the reaction on the left here too, which is um, the 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 bigotry. Uh, I guess Bush had said this at one bigotry of low expectations, which is, oh, she's a black lady who not only graduated, but uh, you know now she's a judge. It's just so amazing that you would make this happen. And I'm like, well, if you if you don't, if you why do you expect things to happen like this rather than to make it like some retard actually made it to first grade? You know, I'm not saying she is, but you know, you don't expect. Anyway, so I'm gonna yeah, fumble no, all over myself. You're 100 right. As a uh, as a woman who has competed against males in my life and has brothers and grew up like playing with the boys, it would bother me tremendously. However, there is a school of thought um within you know feminism probably within uh people who are into studying race theory as well where it says these people were there and qualified the whole time but without the mandate to consider them they wouldn't be considered so whatever um i don't see anything wrong with her qualifications she looks like every you know as we discussed she looks like every qualified justice who's come before her it would bother me that's all i can say it would bother me, but I'm not a black woman, so maybe that's different. And is this go. necessarily some huge leap forward? Like statistically, black females are the have the highest level of, uh, or have the, like a higher percentage of college education than like any other demographic on in the country. So, like black females are black females are statistically the most educated. Uh, you get a degree, and you get a degree, and you get a, right the Oprah. I mean, for whatever I mean, for whatever it's worth, yes, that that is kind of what has been happening over the last fifteen to twenty years. Um, it's interesting okay. that Clarence Thomas has been on the Supreme Court for a long time, and he is a conservative black justice. That's pretty diverse, um, right? You know, it's pretty diverse. It, it's pretty diverse to get a Clarence Thomas, and Clarence Thomas is a brilliant legal mind. I hate when people say he's like he's no Scalia who, by the way, writes his own opinions, and they're hilarious. I, I like, laughed out loud reading them before, um, but uh, RIP. Um, but Clarence Thomas is a brilliant legal mind, and many people in the Black community will say, you know, this, that, the other thing, but there's many people in the Black community who love having him on the Supreme Court, regardless of their personal politics. Um, so, you know, I love that he doesn't get the same uh, praise just because he, I don't know, he's not lib whatever well he's married to a white woman that's part of the problem he is, but i actually didn't know till today that he was married to a white woman he really? um what what i've you know back in law school when you're reading all these you know decisions especially con law stuff uh i always found clarence thomas to be the most consistent you always knew pretty much where he's going to line up and you know at anytime you go before a judge i mean this may be a problem that i have with miss brown here or yeah jackson brown um is you're concerned about consistency. You know, if you know what's happening and you're always going to get the same kind of, you know, people can predict, but me personally, when I'm before a judge, um, you like to know and prepare your clients of what's going to happen. I don't know if that's as big a deal with the Supreme court, but um, I don't know. I mean, I would think if you are, if you are presenting a case to the Supreme court, you kind of want to know where you right. stand with the judges as you go in, like if it's somebody that's, yeah, if you have a, so the problem that I ran into in my, all of my divorce proceeding stuff was the original judge um, was fucking senile. And we found that out after the fact, when I started looking through all of the appeals and everything and reading uh, 
his opinion and the, the reasoning behind his ruling on some stuff. Um, the dude was clearly fucking senile. Like, whatever, what was being said was not what he was hearing. So it completely fucked everything up. Like, when you've got somebody that is, that is uh, interpreting a case in a way that's not the way the case is being presented, then, you know, that could fuck you up. So, yeah, if you've got Clarence Thomas, who you know is consistent, if you've got um, Gorsuch, who you know is going to be consistent, if you know that Amy Coney Barrett is going to, is going to, you know, swing this way, uh, you know, Sotomayor is going to look at it from a very specific perspective. Um, and then you got Roberts and you got Kavanaugh and, uh, you don't know which way, like Roberts is going to go, whichever the way the whichever way the social winds are blowing, and Kavanaugh is a fucking wild card as far as I'm concerned at this point. So, like, yeah, I think I think having some consistency in the court is something that uh, would be considered important, at least I mean, you know from from a layman's view of it. Like, yeah, if if I know I have to go before a judge, I would kind of like to know that this judge isn't going to uh, just change his opinion based on whatever he feels like today. Like he's right. going to be principled in some manner, whether I agree with the manner that he's his, he holds his principles or not. At least I can have an idea of how I should present my case. Uh, you know, so I, I do think there is some, some credibility to, to being consistent. Yeah. yeah respect. I was totally right about Clarence Thomas. I think he's probably the only one that you could predict 100% of the time where he falls on it. And it's not, I hate when people say like, it's a political issue. It's an interpretation issue. Right. And that's why you, cause Scalia even went wild on a couple cases that were surprising. And to her credit, uh, RBG um, was not consistent. I mean that in a positive way as to that she made some surprising um, decisions. And uh, I, I could see, um, Miss Brown Jackson, I don't know which one she likes to go by, uh, having almost a similar thing to RBG because she she seems to have kind of a, a bunch of dichotomous factors in her background that are kind of interesting. So I could see her being somewhat of a wild card herself. Um, again, I think Tyler said it earlier, or you said it, Justin. Um, Gorsuch has been really awesome. I really enjoyed everything that he's done. Um, I don't know why I started on this. But yeah, Clarence Thomas. I, and I think it's uh, KBJ. So I, okay, BJ. That's how I'm going to remember it. KBJ. Oh my God, I just remembered what Adam called her last night. That was funny. <laughs> well, actually, it was Andy. But yeah. Oh, Andy. Either, either way, it was hilarious. Adam, now that you're short. Oh, shit. He was hey. really working that one out, but we won't get into that right oh, now. goodness. All right. Got any other uh, legal opinions on anything while we're at it? Anything else that uh, might come before this new iteration of the Supreme Court here in the next few years that you might have concerns over? I don't think they'll ever take up anything that's actually Second Amendment related or at least nothing that is of uh, valid importance. They they will punt that every single time. They've shown that. Uh, they, I, I think they've shown that throughout our entire lifetimes that if it is if it pertains to the Second Amendment, they will punt it. They, regardless of how the court is is aligned, they are not going to take it. Uh, so, anything else that y'all can think of that might be a uh, 
might be a swing topic or a, a sticking topic that would come up with this uh, Supreme Court going forward? Something we should be watching out for? I, I think um, there's probably going to be some residual immigration stuff going on for the next few years. Um, be interesting to see if COVID's, you know, once COVID stuff gets there. I don't know. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, well, you mentioned no Second Amendments, but Heller was uh, a recent decision, DCV Heller, I think is what yeah. it is, which was uh, kind of a, a big, I mean, you, you can look at it and you go, oh, it wasn't big enough, but it was, it was, it kind of took away that whole uh, ma- militia, you know, personal defense. So I think there's some, some help there. Are they going to take up any more of those? Probably not. You know, they actually, you look over the last 10 or so years, the, the First Amendment stuff has actually been somewhat solidified, which has been good to see. Um, things coming on, you never know what's going to be coming up. Uh, I would like to see them take on uh, some of the administration stuff. I know Gorsuch is really the Chevron deference type of stuff. He's really kind of been uh, against that. And I think it would be nice to shave that away. And some of these Fourth Amendment problems of... Uh, what do they call it? Uh, we to take their money. Um, it's not civil office at Fort civil would be nice. I think that's getting a groundswell and it'd be nice to see a good case, uh, come for that. Yeah, that'd be great. That's a huge issue. Very cool. Well, I've got family members showing up, so I appreciate y'all coming on. This was really good. Uh, I appreciate getting some like actual professional opinions on this stuff and talk about some of the stuff from, from perspectives that I normally wouldn't think about. Like I, tr- I try to be relatively well researched whenever I talk about this stuff, but I, I'm not in it every day. Like it's, it's not my field. So there's a lot of stuff that I just don't, I straight up don't understand. And, and I wouldn't even know where to start with looking at it. So y- y'all brought, y'all brought a perspective that uh, helps to kind of round it out and help me to understand what's going on with, some of the questioning and some of the stuff that we're looking at here. So I really appreciate it. Y'all give your plugs and everything and let's get out of here. Go ahead, Meredith. I don't have, I have no plugs. Well, I'll, I'll plug. <laughs> Tyler libertarian podcast review is really my only, uh, outward thing, but I'm an attorney in California. If someone's out there and they uh, not looking to, to, to do anything, but if that's you know, people they've reached out to me and I, I Meredith as well. So, you know, some of it's just, if we can give you a little help in the family law, I'm not looking to take your case, but if you're, you know, kind of in a desperate situation, we can kind of, I can kind of help you out there. Or, you know, I'm also involved in the uh, LP Mises Caucus in California, so yes, me too. Romino, we'll be out there as well. So, yes, um, I'm also in the LP of Contra Costa County on the um, executive committee, which I got into by force, um, nice. but yeah. Not by force, it was, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, uh, hit me up on the Twitter. That's my at right there. Can you see me for me? There. Um, and, you know, I can help, but I can't solicit you as a client, so. Yeah, I'm not doing well, that either. Thanks, Justin. Well, yeah, thank you all very much. This has been a lot of fun. Hopefully people learned a little bit. Uh, y'all have a good one, and I will see everybody on Wednesday. Bye.